1: Foundations. When you go through the land of Israel, you realize it's a very barren place, which Mm. means when they sow a seed in the harvest, there's a verse that says you sow in tears, but you reap with joy. And that is when you sow in tears, you're sowing in faith, Mm. thinking, God, you've got to come through because there's no rain here.
0: Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. The seven mandatory feasts of the Lord all point to Jesus the Messiah. Some of the feasts have already been fulfilled through the ministry of Jesus. while the last three feasts are yet to be fulfilled by him, although we see the patterns and character of Jesus in the traditions and ceremonies. In this program, we're going to begin learning about Sukkot, The feast most well known as the Feast of Tabernacles.
1: We've come to the final, the last mandatory feast of the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean there aren't other feasts of the Lord that have become annual celebrations. Actually, the feast of of what we call Hanukkah, that's not a mandatory feast of the Lord, but it's also known as the Festival of Lights. And that is also mentioned in the New Covenant. It was even going way back to Mm. Jesus' day. They were already celebrating the Festival of Lights. So Hanukkah, but it's not mandatory. These are mandatory, Mm. and when you look at them in order, you actually see this extraordinary plan of redemption through the Messiah. It's amazing. You're right. Jesus fulfills them all. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, in the Hebrew it's known as Sukkot. It actually falls on the 19th of Tishri. It runs for seven days, although these days it runs for nine days. I'll explain why that is later. The word Sukkot It means booths, and on this holiday, it's both a historical celebration as well as an agricultural celebration. It's historical because it's kind of a reminder to the Jewish people about their forefathers and how they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years in temporary dwellings. So they have to build a little temporary dwelling that they put up for Mm. um, seven days, eight days, and the roof of it has to be made of vegetation. It could be bamboo slats. It could be timber. It could be palm fronds, mm. uh, branches of trees. Whatever it is, it's got to be vegetation. It has to allow some visibility of the stars at night. And also, if it happens to rain, you can get a sprinkling of water on you as well. Just an rem- added bonus.
0: Just <laughs> an added bonus.
1: And most of the time, Jewish families will eat their meals. in this. It's called a sukkah. And they will eat their meals in the sukkah. Some of them will sleep and live in the sukkah. Sometimes it's just the kids who camp out. It's like a camping trip, yeah. (laughs) A little bit, yeah. Sometimes they really go all out and decorate it up. But it's also an agricultural celebration. So they actually decorate it with usually fake plastic fruits and vegetables or grapevines or all manner of Mm. growing produce they will decorate their sukkahs with as well.
0: As with all of these feasts, they are instituted by God and you can read about Sukkot being instituted by God in Leviticus 23 from verses 34 to 44.
1: Then Deuteronomy 16 actually goes on to explain how they're supposed to celebrate or keep uh, this feast. And uh, and so again, this was actually part of, I, I just mentioned that the The sukkahs had to have this vegetation on their roof uh, to let the um, you know any kind of weather in and see the stars and whatnot. That was actually all mandated in mm. the scripture. That's not part of a tradition. Um, the agricultural side of things, like decorating it with fruits and vegetables and squash and pumpkins, all that kind of <laughs> stuff, that is all has developed over mm. the over the centuries.
0: And is it true that the pilgrims in America actually sort of borrowed from some of that tradition with the Thanksgiving celebration that's become an annual? Celebration? Celebration in America.
1: It is Uh, apparently from what I've learned is that when the uh, the Pilgrims first made their way to the New World, which today we know as America, that they obviously they were Christians and they were escaping religious tyranny from throughout Europe. And so they established the new world and so they had to farm this basically barren, untouched land, not barren but untouched, uncultivated land for the most part. They were trusting God for harvests mm. to see them survive. And then they wanted a celebration where they could thank God for his provision and for bringing in the harvests. And so they went into the scriptures, they looked at the festivals and feasts of the Lord and they discovered that Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles had this agricultural Thanksgiving element. And so, yeah, they decorate their homes with corn dollies and pumpkin and squash and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that comes straight from the Bible from the Feast of Sukkot. Now, there's another element to this particular festival, and that is there is a wave offering that is required. I don't know. We look at it and we kind of go, that sounds so silly.
0: (laughs) Not Um, like a Mexican wave.
1: Not a Mexican (laughs) wave. No, no, no. We kind of think it's silly, but... You know, this is something God instituted, so it's not silly. Mm. But what they had to do was they had to take four species of plant. Again, this is part of the the agricultural element. They were to take these four species, which was an etrog, which is kind of like a citrusy lemon kind of a fruit. And then they had to take a ripe date palm frond not the fruit, just the frond, three myrtle branches and a leafy branch from a willow tree. They had to be all absolutely in perfect condition, no blemishes, no little brown spots or marks or anything. They had to be absolutely perfect. And then they're woven together in a kind of like a bouquet. It's very, it's quite elaborate. It's quite beautiful, actually. It's kept in a protective um, sheath or bag because it has to be used every day of Sukkot. Yeah. And then in a wave offering. And you can actually go on YouTube and see a lesson on how to wave (laughs) the lulav. (laughs) So there's a
0: prescribed way to do it, is there?
1: There is a prescribed way. Basically, they take it in their hands and they wave it three times in the direction of the east, then the west, then the north and the south, then above them and below them. It kind of sounds a little bit silly, but the reason they do that, it's symbolically acknowledging the fact that God's presence surrounds us. You cannot escape it, mm. actually. Psalms actually tells us that. Yeah. You can't escape him. So it's this, this acknowledgement that God is everywhere. He's surrounding us, and he is the source of our harvest, of our produce, of our ability to survive mm. and um, and make it. That's amazing. It, it is. There's lots of symbolism. We look at it and kind of go, really? <laughs> but this is what God told yeah. the people to do and to this day they still do it. It's
0: amazing how they do that. They follow these traditions and obviously as with a lot of the feasts you've got Candles being lit, stories being told, singing, like all the, the celebration of it is there as well. And obviously with it being a harvest festival, there would be a lot of celebration thanking God for the fact that he's given them provision for another year.
1: Well, the thing is, when you go through the land of Israel, you realize it's a barren desert and you know there is a joke amongst Jewish people that Moses traveled all the way through the wilderness in the Middle East and he stopped in the only place with no oil <laughs> <laughs> but also it's a very barren place which mm. means when they sow a seed in the harvest there's a verse that says you sow in tears but you reap with joy, And that is when you sow in tears, you're sowing in faith mm. and thinking, God, you've got to come through yeah. because there's no rain here. And then when the harvest comes in, there's great joy because God has brought forth the harvest yet again. He's, That's wonderful. It's amazing. It is. So there's lots of passages of scripture, both Messianic and non-Messianic Jews read throughout their time when they go into the synagogue. But there's also a water ceremony that is part of Sukkot. It was originally performed in the temple. The high priest would lead a procession down to the Pool of Siloam, which is at the bottom of the eastern portion of Mount Moriah, the bottom of the city of David. And he would take a golden vessel from the temple. He'd fill it up with water, make his way back up to the temple where all the people would be there. They would be singing, rejoicing, dancing. And then as he would pour out this water offering before the Lord, the people would then begin to wave the lulav, Before the Lord And they would sing something They would sing Save us we pray O Lord O Lord we pray Let us thrive Blessed is he who comes In the name of the Lord We bless you from the house of the Lord.
0: Now that's something that we hear in the Gospels when Jesus (laughs) makes his procession into Jerusalem, isn't it?
1: Precisely, precisely. That is a messianic psalm. So remember, we've come out of Rosh Hashanah, waiting, welcoming the trumpet to welcome the king for his coronation. The preparation that starts with the repentance of the heart, waiting for him to come. The 10 days of awe leads to... The uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where the sin is paid for and the scapegoat takes the sin away. Their names are written in the Book of Life. That brings us to the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot, where God has brought provision. And we have this rejoicing that we've now come into this fullness, this relationship, this tabernacle, where God would dwell, surrounding them completely. Mm. They're rejoicing, welcoming the king. Now, at the time that this was sung... In the New Covenant, the religious leaders said to Jesus, tell them to stop because they knew that that was acknowledgement of him being the Messiah. Mm. And Jesus, of course, said, if they don't say it, the very rocks are going to cry out.
0: So much to learn about this uh, festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, and we're going to continue in our next program looking at the last of these mandatory feasts. So join us for that next time on Foundations.